Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, you ever wonder what Phil and I wear while we podcast? You can find out if you join our Patreon. We'll also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts. It's true. It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, but perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2 with amazing guests like Tom Meissen, Liz Hanna, Joanna Robinson, Brian Cogman, Chuck Hayward. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. And for $5, you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes. For a few bucks more, you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes. And perhaps, most importantly, you'll be supporting us uh, so we can just keep making podcast content for you guys. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the music of 1999 from inside a spooky mask here in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And with us again is a resident hard rock expert, Rick Monahan. Thank you so yep. much for coming back to talk about uh, Slipknot, another... Seminal American Seminal scare band. band. 
I am so excited to be back here hanging with you guys, and I'm so sorry to be discussing Slipknot, but we'll make it work. No, <laughs> yes. Don't be sorry. It's going to be great. <laughs> I, I Here's the thing. Kenny and I, we were talking about you know wanting to do Halloween episodes. We um, wanted to do a, one of the scary bands. One of the scary bands, and we had a list of a, of a few of them. Um, and Slipknot had a big 1999 album. It was their first album. Uh, it, it felt like I guess the one to explore, they're the spookiest in terms of their costumes. Uh, so here we are on Halloween talking about Slipknot. I was pushing for Guar. You were. <laughs> genuinely scared me as a, as a youth. Um, but Slip, but the thing is, like, Guar was like half, half a cartoon. Um, and what did Guar stand for? I didn't ever know uh, what it stood for. Hold they on, I'm were looking surprisingly it up. funny and like in on it yes. though. There's clips of them on the Joan Rivers show doing. Yes, an interview I remember. And she's shocked how cool they are. They, that's what I mean. They're half a cartoon, right? Like, do you know what it stands for? God, what an awful racket! <laughs> yeah, and the main guy has <laughs> yeah. like this, like it's, it's the main guy's basically like Andrew Dice Clay underneath like seven pounds of of rubber. Or seventy pounds of rubber. He's just he's just cracking jokes over here, and he's funny. And yeah. they are they're totally in on it. Like, but they are terrifying looking. Uh, I I swear to God, like Slipknot was nothing more to me than a T-shirt at Hot Topic. I know nothing yeah. about this band. They were a font. A font. <laughs> yes. I I mean, here's the thing. We also talked a little bit about we talked a little about corn, and we talked a little about insane clown posse. And and this kind of gets to my grander question that I have for both of you guys that I don't really have an answer for, but I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on. Slipknot falls into a a category in my mind of, is this a bit? Mm. Like, is this a bit or is this real? And and I don't and I, I don't mean to Good question. It, it's 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 a good question, specifically with this band. And listen, if there are Slipknot fans listening to this episode, spoiler. We're probably not going to be kind to your favorite band. <laughs> but I just want to kind of break it down because they talk a lot about their influences being bands like Kiss. And Kiss, as we talked about in our Detroit Rock City episode, is a shtick, right? Like, it's not it, – it's as, as good as some of their songs might be, it's all performative, which kind of comes back to a lot of these hair metal, you know, bands that were sort of the, the tip of the spear – when it came to, you know, I mean, all that's all of this kind of is an offshoot of that in some way or another. All feels so performative that I can't tell if I'm supposed to take it seriously. Like, Rich, I sent you a lyric from one of the from the last song of this album of their of their first album, which I'm going to read right now. I don't give a shit, bitch. I don't give a fuck, bitch. I don't understand, bitch. You don't matter. I don't give a fuck, man. I don't give a shit, man. I don't really care. I'm a supersized man. Fucking stupid. Fuck, 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 stupid, fuck. (laughs) Shit, fucking stupid. Fuck, stupid, fuck, fuck, shit. Fuck, stupid, fuck, shit. Take that, motherfucker. That's how the album ends. And I don't, A, really know what they're getting at. But B, what does this all mean? Like, what is this all... Like, what's the point of this? You can always have any thoughts. Piano ballad version of that song scoring like a Halo commercial or something. <laughs> oh shit! Fuck the man! Fuck <laughs> For, like, I, I just, I guess my bigger question is sort of, what are your thoughts on bands like this where there's so much shtick? 
is it real? Is it not real? Are we supposed to take it seriously? Is it supposed to be a joke? I, I don't know the answer. I will say, uh, similar to you guys, uh, just to put it all out there. So I I did know a bunch of metalheads in the late 90s. Even those folks didn't seem to much be into Slipknot. It might just be I was just getting out of high school at this time. So there was that. So I'm very familiar with what was going on in metal at that time. And I didn't know much about Slipknot. I've done a, a bunch of... I'm maybe the only person you've met who has now read a book on Slipknot because I just needed to know. I just needed to know. And like, there's a great genre of like, just those like soft, just sort of like flattering, shitty rock bios that come out two years after a band hits. And so I checked out one of those. I will say, having read a lot about it, my first guess is that it's not really that tongue in cheek, though they do talk about kissing those bands a lot. I'm excited to have all these conversations, but I feel like they are just sort of, into doing this part because that's just sort of what they think is cool to do, just sort of being exhaustingly extreme in a way that everything fed to a boy was in the 90s. And it's just also kind of numbing, I find. But can we even? I got a lot of thoughts, as usual. <laughs> um, Kenny texted me yesterday saying, I'm grooving out to Slipknot right I, now. I, I like the music. Uh, I'll start. <laughs> I'll start there by saying I like the music. Um, I, I called it an oral enema, which is what kind of what I needed. It's it's like a it's like a brain Q-tip um, <laughs> that never stops. Just, it just goes right through. Helpful. It. It's just I need it sometimes. Okay, uh, I don't think the music is bad at all. Uh, I, I actually see some influences and in things like I genuinely love. Sure. Um, There's melody there underneath yeah, the screaming and the and the 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 instru- the instrumental. Um, Work is yes. kind of kind of shocking and amazing. The production's uh, it, interesting, yeah, for sure. They rock. They rock really hard. Um, I'm I, I'm impressed by that. My question for you, Phil, is: mm. Would you be more or less into it slash impressed mm-hmm. were a bit, or if it were sincere? That's actually a very very good question. I, I think, truthfully, the latter. I think that if the, if there's an element of, of genuine conviction here, which I'm not convinced is not there, just to be clear. Like, I really don't know because you listen to this music and it feels genuine. Like, it, it, it definitely feels real. I also, I'm sure you read about this stuff too, Rich, in terms of like the actual like recording sessions were apparently not surprisingly, very intense, very hard to like really record this shit. It feels like just like them attempting to try to bottle chaos. And I think they were pretty successful in doing so as a, as a recording. I don't know what it was like being in that room. It sounds like a nightmare to me, but I mean, that's to each their own. But to your point, Kenny, it feels very real. Um, so if it is a bit, it's successful, right? In the sense that it's convinced outside of like something like Kiss, where I don't really buy Kiss. Like I don't, I don't, I don't really get Kiss. I don't, I don't really know. But I think that's, you know, my, you can listen to our Detroit Rock City episode. My feeling Please. that Kiss is, is Kiss is a <laughs> is a incredibly cynical band. Yes, um, yes, yes. I, I don't. I don't think they're genuine in any way. I think they are, you know, essentially a corporatized version of a hair metal band. And yes. uh, and I don't it's understand. The lo- yeah, I don't understand the love for them. If it was genuine at any point, uh, it turned at some point, and they just mm-hmm. became um, 
lunch boxes and t-shirts and uh pinball machines and dove right into that. Uh I think Gene Simmons is a pretty interesting guy. I think the whole bands are filled with a bunch of interesting guys, but I don't think they are uh the kind of artists that get me excited. Uh that being said, there is a theatricality to all of this stuff. Yep. There's a theatricality to every element in music. And we all kind of flip out when, you know, Lady Gaga does crazy shit or Beyonce does crazy shit or any of these people put on, you know, a new costume. I mean that literally or figuratively put on a new persona um, and, you know, change themselves up. There is a place for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, out of the bands that do this kind of thing, uh, I think that they are the most genuine. I think that they are a a... a a genuine expression of this brand of almost, you know, Rob Zombie-esque, you know, House of a Thousand Corpses, like... like Dragula. I am... Yeah, I love that song. It's a great uh, song. It's a great song. I am the, you know, the teenage embodiment of male, of morbid male rage. Sure. And uh, I, I don't think that it's like a, a terrible thing to have out there. In fact, even like the the the, the lines you read, Phil, like mm-hmm. it is kind of numbing. And that's a, also not a bad thing uh, if directed the right way. So I and I read I, you know, I watched some interviews with Corey Taylor, who is kind of the most prominent member of Slipknot. And he's a thoughtful interesting guy who can kind of hold his own in an interview. Rich doesn't seem to agree, but um, I don't disagree, but I, I did. I read some interviews too. I found him to be a little insufferable at times, but arrogant. Too, yes. but yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, he's definitely arrogant. He is any, any, he, he, but, but he's, but he's not judgmental. He kind of goes out of his way not to make people feel stupid. Uh, he just kind of like, I think he just kind of is annoyed that people don't take him more seriously. Um, Can I? So here's <clears throat> you tapped into something, Kenny, that I that I want to talk about for a second because it feels adjacent to this. Um, you know, in '99 we have uh, you know the the, the Columbine <clears throat> shootings that that happen um, that are associated with you know Marilyn Manson and the Matrix and and a bunch of sort of things of that ilk, if you will. And I guess what I'm getting at here is because Kenny, you said something that I think is really astute, which is that it, it's giving a voice to a certain demographic, a certain subsect of culture that feels as though uh, no one's listening to them or that there isn't something that, that expresses the feelings and, and sort of things they're grappling with in their life. And that aggression, um, I think, is important. And I also do not believe in censorship in any way. So I'm not suggesting that these bands shouldn't exist, nor do I think that there's really a direct correlation between them and shootings and various things like that. But I guess my question to you guys is, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, how, what do you, I mean, putting Marilyn Manson's <clears throat> disgusting behavior aside as a human being, do you feel as though this music, you know, is important? You know, do you feel as though it is connected to this sort of social unrest in some way? Uh, is it feeding that piece? Well, I would say <clears throat> kind of a, 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 a little bigger sort of answer to exactly what you're yeah. asking, but like 
I think also it's notable about this band. Sorry, the cat's walking. No, the cat's tail was fucking. <laughs> right. it was yeah, that was hilarious. That was, that was a awesome. serious tail. I'm kidding. Please, get our get our patron to see uh, Rich's <laughs> cat. See that fucking tail. Yeah. Oh, she's coming back through. There it is. <laughs> um, I think another thing that is notable about Slipknot was that yeah. they are one of masks aside. They're one of many bands that are doing this in smaller markets around the country in a big way they are one of the few though that are managed to turn it into something big and actually get into a mainstream sort of movement which is really hard when you're that niche in metal and this and that um so i feel like the anger was there that they're sort of like uh capitalizing on and putting this other thing i guess for my money what kind of disappoints me about their whole scene is that a lot of bands that do this sort of thing punk or metal it's about making a community and I feel like it's less of that with these guys. Like they talk about their fans and they love the maggots and this and that, but it's only ever in the context of look what our fans love watching us do. Look, our fans ask us to piss on them. One of them jumped 30 feet and landed on a 19 year old girl at one of their shows. And she was like, thanks. And he was like, cool. <laughs> and like, well, hold on. Did you do, are there fans called maggots? Did I hear they that They call right? them maggots, yeah, which I think is also a cutesy sort of phrase. Like, I'm like, come here, you son of a bitch. I'm not prepared to say they okay. think they're yeah, maggots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like but, Gaga with her monsters. Yeah, that sort of thing. And so I feel like <laughs> as far as taking that rage, it's just kind of this moment where, like, it has nowhere to go. And But they also have that savviness that we talked about, that, like, the way that they can do that sort of, like, bad boy, ghoulish thing to sort of get to, into the press, like... Kiss and Ozzy and Rob Zombie, as you mentioned, all did exceptionally well. But what's so weird is that those three acts, they turn it into a different business. There's uh, reality TV stars, film directors, all the sort of artifice is kind of in on it. Kiss is, a, you know, they sell fucking coffins with their name on it. Um, so it is weird to see that Slipknot never, or I guess maybe they did, sort of. Now they have a whiskey and everything on Hot Topic. Yeah, they've got, they, they definitely capitalized on some of the i mean, there's an app now that you can design your own mask. I mean, like, there's, there's definitely... The other thing that I think is interesting, which taps into what you're saying, Rich, is, you know, they talk early on in their career about a, a being influenced by Corn and Limp Bizkit, but then they quickly kind of distance themselves from them because Corn and Limp Bizkit become, you know, kind of a parody unto themselves in, in a way. Um, so, which I think answers sort of the earlier question you had, Kenny, which is I do think that Slipknot does want to be taken more seriously than... Corn certainly Limp Bizkit. I can't speak to Corn that well. I mean, Freak on a Leash is a great, is a banger though. I mean, it's a great song. But I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I mean, Limp Bizkit feels like a whole other. That's a whole other podcast question. And he just shook his head like, "Son, we don't talk about Freak on a Leash." In this <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like uh, I. It's it's weird to have this massive um, genre of music. Yes. Yes. That belongs to people our age, that everybody our age has disowned. You just don't <laughs> see that, right? Yes. Like, uh, take yeah. Kiss, for instance. People who are 15 years older than us who grew up with Kiss, even though Kiss still fucking like sucks, yeah. uh, still will, you know, will, will, will fight you in an alley over fucking, you know, <laughs> destroyer or whatever stupid yeah. shit they think is still like, you know, like integral to, to the history of rock. But sure. we have all kind of collectively pretended that we weren't there when Limp Bizkit and Kid Rock and all, you know, all these new metal bands happened. Um, and the ones that have seemed to kind of survive are, you know, I, I, I hesitate to, to lump in 
our beloved Rage, but you know they were all co- sort of born out or of Nine Inch rage. Nails. We're nine inch now. They're the ones that are doing things. They're the ones yeah, that are yeah. saying things. They're the ones that are not just about the uh, the artifice. Now, the question about Slipknot is Slipknot really has survived. Like Slipknot still exists. They still tour. <clears throat> they still have shows like literally like this week. And um, <laughs> and why have they persevered? Uh, I I don't know much about the community, Rich. I'm, I'm interested to hear what you found out. You know, like I know a lot more about... Uh, about the Juggalos, who, you know, it was kind of my hope that we would go into because I I do think they have, you know, created and fostered a, a real interesting and supportive community that has matured and evolved as their fans have gotten older and become parents um, and kind of I mean, they, they to- seem like sweethearts. Insane Clown Posse seem like a bunch of sweethearts at this point. Well, ultimately, they kind of are like, they're kind of like two dads, right? They're kind of like these two, like, like almost, almost benevolent cult leaders that genu- that genuinely want their, you know, cult members to 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 better themselves. They're like reformed gang members almost. And I, 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 I hesitate to say that because, as everyone knows, like the FBI classifies them as like a a gang or whatever. Oh, I didn't know they that. Classify the jugglers as like a gang. <laughs> or like organized crime or a terrorist group or something really Stop kind it. of yeah really? something something really kind of weird that like betrays that they've never actually like been to a gathering of the jugglers not that I have <laughs> but uh but but Slipknot I don't know Rich is is there is is the community not the not there is it not is it not su- supportive is it not a bunch of like weirdos who feel who only feel comfortable under a mask coming together and- Can i also add just one other thing to, to before you answer that rich which is i do also think that the longevity of this band has to do with the revolving door of members yeah. i can't believe this this band has gone through like it feels like 30 different band members um so i i think that part of what you're what we're talking about a little bit kenny is that like the original members i'm not sure how many og Slipknot members there even are still in the band. One. 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 There's <laughs> one surviving. You only need one. Founding member. But a lot of those, the founding members, half of them were gone by like the first record. Like it just, there's a right. lot of stuff going on. And so, um, as, I mean, I think their fans, definitely there are the folks that are like, oh, everybody's like, yeah, I get something out of this. I feel something connected. And for some reason, I want a band to piss on me. Or puke on me. And I have plenty of, uh, I've cited a lot of sources on when you want to talk about their bad boy list of shit they've done. But I do think oh, great. something cool here too is that like you hear them talk about Kiss as yeah. far as like, oh, what was cool about Kiss was they were so fucking scary when I was a kid, they were scary. And they looked like demons. I didn't know they were real people. And what a thrill that was. Yeah. And so they're like, that's what we want to do with the masks. Um, and also there, there's a couple other excuses for the masks. And I find it all really intriguing here. Because on one hand, they were like, it's sort of a performance art thing for them. It's what they're purporting that it's an anti-celebrity thing. I'm going to wear the mask so I can go out in the show. It's not about me getting famous. And then I'll kind of give them a little bit because even if they're lying, it is right. harder to be fam- famous when you have a mask on. But I also think it's interesting because exactly what you guys are talking about right now, it's almost like the other side of KISS influenced them whether they knew it or not. Because what you've done with those masks is you've created – a timeless, ageless logo. And yeah. so that's why you can still headline Riot Fest in 2021 when you're 52 years old and the other headliner is Machine Gun Kelly, who's like 30. And it is sort of interesting that like, you know, similar bands of this size, like GNR, Guns N' Roses, 
Axel Rose, those lineup changes killed him. It was him, and in the aughts, he couldn't right. get it off the ground because he lost Duff and Slash right. and those guys. Right. But these guys have had like 500 lineup changes, and it's no sweat because you just need a guy to fill the jumpsuit, and the jumpsuit fills the Q4 projection. Right. That I mean, that is, yes. It, it, creating a persona that isn't real, for all intents and purposes, is a lot easier to sort of continue doing forever. I, I guess I just, and, and Kenny sort of asked this question earlier, in, in the sense of a community, in the sense of like building a fan base, those people still exist or are they bringing new people to the fold? I mean, what is, this, this is just sort of, that's the big question for me. Like there's a reason why Limp Bizkit and Corn don't exist anymore, right? Like there's a reason, but, but I would also argue there's a reason why Insane Cloud Posse still exists. There's something in the, in the water and in the way that they're creating a sense of community um, that I think is a lot, it taps into Kenny's original question. Is it a shtick or not? There's a lot of people that are buying into whatever they're selling in a way that feels a lot more resonant and a lot. It's hitting something deeper as opposed to, you know, Nookie, which is just a, a I guess, a hooky song. I, don't, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I you mean, if really trace out sort of they came up in 99 and the sort of yeah. nihilism. And it just I, I would say their anger feels like they don't want to point it anywhere. They're just mad about everything. And there's a lot of people that are just furious. And of course, if you're from Des Moines, Iowa, you have every reason to be furious in 90s America and on or even yeah. before that. Um, <laughs> so it is interesting, too, in the same vein that, like, you know, obviously you guys cover or talk all about Woodstock 99 on occasion. And that We will. Yeah, we'll definitely do an episode on that. Sure. And it is so, I, I mean, and this is just probably some coastal elitist bullshit that I'm about to say, but like, I don't know. You look at these sort of bands that came up at this time and then trained a generation like, let's be mad. Let's stay mad. Let's not fix the mad that we're, let's not change anything. Let's not connect more. But when it's time, we will break things. And Woodstock 99 this year and the insurrection in 2021. Are these the same kids? I, I well, that was I, I said that to Kenny too when, when I when we were both watching the documentary. I texted Kenny. And I was like, "It's it's hard not to draw a pretty strong line between MAGA and and Woodstock '99." I don't know if they're the same people, but it's the same right. playbook, right? right? right, right like, right. and and that's I, I I would be surprised if it was the same people. I would because my sense is Limp Biscuit, the the kind of people at Woodstock '99, uh were privileged white kids and uh, people who were, who were pretty, who were actually kind of in touch with their privilege. Um, even if they, if they, even if they didn't know it. Right. And uh, the people at the insurrection, I think uh, are angry uh, in different ways about different things. And uh, it comes, it comes from a, more troubling, less um, ephemeral place. If that means something, like I think by the time you're, I think by the time you're in your forties and fifties and you're still mad, you start to get mad at the fact that this is the condition of your life. Um, no, I, I agree. Th- I think that teen I, rage is a very different animal than adult rage, right? Like you're, you're, yeah, it's, yeah. and I think every teen feels it to some extent. Yes. Yeah. Right. And some teens like the kind of kids who go to Woodstock 99 and are privileged enough that they can start raping and breaking and, you know, think that they can get away with that shit. 
uh, are not constitutionally different than the kids who are channeling their rage in other ways. They just have the privilege that they think they can go ahead and do something ridiculous like that. The insurrectionists, I think, are just, you know, criminals. Um, criminals who, who, uh, Thought, thought it would turn out differently for him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do. I, I, I fully agree with Kenny that that watching Woodstock, watching the Woodstock 99 documentary recently on HBO, what, what hit me was privilege more than anything. The idea of a bunch of kids, um, you know, I would assume primarily white kids that felt as though they could do whatever they wanted and that this music was giving them the freedom to do so because, you know, Fred Durst was saying to literally break stuff um you know it, it just it was a a different animal obviously than 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 the insurrection but um but i do think it's i, I do think it's it fascinating was, it, to, sorry go ahead it, it was also a it was also a different time the, the insurrection was yeah. so weird i mean not to just keep talking about it. it was so weird because it was um it was it was so not of this time like there was right. something about about 99 where it just the notion of quote unquote breaking stuff or break stuff was not controversial was just what people like did. I just watched this uh, clip from Sopranos and Phil, you've been watching it a little bit, but I don't know if you got to the episode where AJ breaks into his high school and they just tear the place up for no reason, just because it's the kind of shit you did. And like, I was a 17 year old suburban white kid in 1999 and we just broke stuff for no reason well, it's like, funny that just, you that you bring up aj because he's kind of the perfect character to kind of unpack mm-hmm. in terms of this right like aj was if i remember correctly listening exactly to this type of music in fact slipknot appears in a sopranos episode in a sopranos episode i think it's eyeless appears in an episode of the sopranos so like it, aj it went through a phase with this yeah. stuff yeah. So it's it is really interesting because I do think that that it's all it's all swirling around in the same kind of waters, which I just think is fascinating. That like AJ has nothing to rail against for all intents and purposes, right? Like AJ doesn't have a reason to break stuff. Yes, I mean, he does. Other, does he? Okay. Well, what, what's, no, what's one AJ's, reason, uh, no one has a reason. No one has a reason to grind. No one has a reason to. Bro- his father is a murderer. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> I just think I, I think that AJ's whole character, AJ's whole character to me is what happens when a mob boss has a, an, an unbelievably ineffectual child with no ambition and well, not, has nothing to do, has no idea what he wants to do with his life. You, uh, uh, you, you. I think you drew the wrong lessons from the show. Well, but I mean, too, Kenny, it, I feel like I went to school with a million AJs at that time. Do you feel the same way? You're in New York or New Jersey? Where were you? Long New Island? York. Uh, I, I know a million AJs. So I, where did you go? And, and Rich is from Jersey, uh, Central Jersey. What town? Uh, Jackson, where the Six Flags is. Okay, so I grew up in uh, in Chappaqua, which had a bit of this. 
But the town that I grew up next to, which was Armonk, so I grew up literally on the border where my next door neighbor went to a different public school than I did. Um, so I knew all of these kids who I grew up like in the neighborhood with all these other kids. That was way more. Uh, my, literally, my next door neighbor was in the mob. So it was Jesus. was uh, a lot more of this kind of AJ Soprano lifestyle. And yeah, a ton of these kids. But you know, look, the, the, in real life, as in real life, all these kids were listening to rap. Like right, I don't, right. I don't know where the the Slipknot fans come from. Maybe Iowa, but all like, it was rap in 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 the suburbs of the nineties. But isn't rap rock also this weird cross pollination that's going on? Like the new metal stuff is kind of. Pulling. I'm not saying you're wrong, Kenny. Obviously, you obviously are far more tapped into this than me. I'm just I'm speaking to more about like, is that why there's maybe a bit of a crossover? My my the people I knew, and this is a '90s '90s thing and not a modern thing, right? But you know, for instance, we're, we're talking the day after Pitchfork did all of their yeah, they reevaluation, some scoring. <laughs> Of 13, no, no Kanye on there by the fucking way. Of 13 albums that they scored poorly. Yeah. And yeah. one of them famously was the Liz Fair mm-hmm. Zero that mm-hmm. they gave the self-titled Liz Fair album. Mm-hmm. Now, in 2019, the guy who did that did, kind of did a big mea culpa on Twitter mm-hmm. about it, basically saying I was a 19-year-old dick and now I'm a 35-year-old man. And I didn't, you know, and he goes into all the reasons. But the the fundamental reason is this. In 1999, if you were cool, pop was not. And it's that simple. If you were cool, pop was not. So it didn't matter if you were Britney, if if it was Britney Spears and the Backstreet Boys, or if it was Fred Durst and Korn, or anything in between, if they were on uh, they were on the TRL. top twenty. If they were on T- TRL, they were uncool, and you should not be listening to them. You should be listening to rap, or fish, or rage, or Radiohead, or something outside of the or or in or like indie rock or college rock or or right. or just this shit that like like you should not be listening to this stuff, right? Don't listen so, to what they're feeding you. Don't listen to what they're feeding you. That's not the case anymore. That's just, I, as far as I can tell, that's not the case anymore. Now it's listen to what they're feeding you. And like, that's fun. And that's great, though. I might be completely mistaken. I don't have a 17 year old living in my living in my house. But uh, so that is, you know, a, a long way of saying like anybody who would listen to this stuff, who would listen to, yeah. you know, the, the new metal or, or, you know, any of that stuff, like, I don't know them. They weren't cool, <laughs> and 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 they uh, and 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 they didn't love music. Like the music was just the background to their life. I want to I I want to unpack this a little because I agree with you, Kenny. And and I also feel like so I, I have a pitch that I that I uh, that I just went out with that I'm not going to get into the details of. But one one of the significant details is sort of goth culture, which is a, a part of this pitch. And and I and I opened the pitch by talking about how. In high school, I was fascinated with like the goth kids uh, and and the boldness and the courage, you know, for lack of a better word, that it takes to do that, right? To 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 wear those clothes, to like that music, to just let your freak flag fly, which I'm all for. That being said, there's a line 
And and I say this because the Slipknot fans scared me. <laughs> the people like there's there's a line to which like there's there's Tim Burton, there's the Crow, there's Nine Inch Nails, and then if you cross a, a Rubicon or some sort of a line, and you're into Slipknot, it, it just feels like you might be dangerous, and that is a little scary to me. Well, can I? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, gonna... no, no, no. That's that's. Yeah. Yeah, let me, if I may tease out the sort of Please. experience of where a lot of these confluences are coming from in my town. Because yeah. growing yeah. up in central Jersey, it's suburban and uh, partly rural too. And like a lot of other cool stuff just isn't there. Like I had OK Computer in the 90s, but anytime I saw OK Computer at another kid's house, it was like, you know. A unicorn. Listening Radiohead was like reading in the fucking New Yorker when you're in my town. Like it's just like. <laughs> Whoa, 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 right. boy. Right. That's true. Um, that was true in my town, too. But <laughs> but we got there, you know? Well, so there was, I would say with metal in general, there's two forces. There's the sort of jockier, I want to show up and break things things. And then there's also the sort of quiet cerebral nerds. They look long-haired and wear black and all that, but they play D&D. And they're also so proficient at their instruments, the Kirk Hammetts of it all that like metal becomes a draw just because it is so technically proficient. I think that's also why I just so often a band like this sounds like a crowded room where I don't understand. Um, but like there is that sort of element, but also going on in the nineties, especially in a town like mine where sort of cooler indie bands aren't really coming in. There are two huge suburban uh, festivals going on in the mid nineties, or there's a bunch. I would submit two of the big ones that a lot of this grows out of is the Warp Tour and Ozfest which people don't talk a lot about, but OzFest is Ozzy's, um, I think, 10-year running festival that was Lollapalooza, but for metal bands. It was the huge old ones, and it was Olympus Biscuits, and then it was also smaller bands. Slipknot opened in 99, and that's yep. really when they cranked up a lot of their antics and went nuts like that. So I think there is definitely in a lot of uh, suburban areas in this country at the time, kids who are into or would say they're into music and maybe have their own bands and also feel like uh, dorks at school and just do want to break stuff just to kind of break stuff. And there is an animosity going on. It's funny too, in the early nineties, the bands we love want to take an anger and maybe point it at something like rock the vote or pro choice or something. And this band, the bands that come out here are just sort of like, no, let's be angry. Let's stay angry because that is the thing that makes us unique. Um, so, so yeah, so I would say is the work tour still friend. happening. Am I crazy or are they still I, happening? I think it's coming, it's gone and come back. Right? Am I crazy? Uh, I feel like someone went to a warp tour that I know like in the last couple of years. But anyway, sorry, well, continue. So, I, so, continuing with what Rich is saying, yeah. because I think this is interesting too. The, and, and to what you were saying too, Phil, mm-hmm. uh, I think about who made trouble when I was younger. It, it wasn't the, it wasn't the goth kids. And I, I I think that they now look you you don't want to paint with too you know too broad a brush, brush. you don't want to overgeneralize and who knows but my sense is the scare was the thrill and mm-hmm. putting mm-hmm. the scare into people is, was the thrill but when it came down to it and this happens every time you see a a hard metal band interviewed uh, generally they're thoughtful, generally they're respectful, generally they, they, they have something deeper to say. Um, and, and once you get past the scare, they're not really out there to hurt people. Whereas 
I do think that there are other bands that aren't really in it for the music that may out be out there to hurt people. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know what else I'm trying to say, but no, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I think I know what you're, I do think I, I get where you're coming from. And I, and I would agree with you that, and again, I don't, I don't mean to keep harping on this, but it does come back to this sort of dichotomy in my brain of sort of the performative component of it. The, the, the creation of, as you mentioned, Rich, the, the, you know, the outfits and the, the, the costuming, it, it's, it's creating this separation between reality and fiction which i think is fascinating um but it also leads to what kenny's talking about which is then when these guys because unfortunately they all tend to tend to be men are interviewed they're relatively soft-spoken they're you know they're 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 you know smart people it does feel like you're kind of you, I just don't know how to feel about it. Like it's it's all well, kind of belaying itself in a weird yeah, way. Let me let me throw one thing else, one other thing out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always tend to bring this stuff back to wrestling because it's what I know. But which is a great not, reference here, though, for real. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's a it, it. planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Slipknot is uh, has never and will never be accepted by the mainstream. So nobody gets into Slipknot, whether it's as a member of Slipknot or a fan of Slipknot, to impress the girls, uh, so to speak, if you know what I mean, right? I yeah. uh, which is the same for wrestling. And what people always kind of are shocked by when they hear a wrestler interviewed, not every wrestler, but a guy like Mick Foley or a guy like The Rock or a guy like Steve Austin, one of the, one of, one of the bigger ones, one of the more successful ones, John Cena, is how thoughtful they are and how dedicated to their art they are. And it's because the only reason you would do it is because you love the art. Just like the only reason you would get up and perform with a band like Slipknot is because you needed to, because you are not getting any fucking cool points off of it. So I think that's why these bands so often are populated and both, you know, in the crowd and in the fan base by true believers who actually connect with it emotionally. I, and I love that about this. I think that's, you know, to some extent, you know, we had when we had uh, Aaron on to talk about fish, I think that's true for fish to some extent. And I think that's true for a lot of bands that just never have had the kind of fan base that's going to, uh, you know, 
lend themselves to a Ken Burns retrospective. But <laughs> as, would but, pay money for Ken Burns to do a Slipknot series. Ken, Ken, well, the thing is, Ken Burns should do a heavy metal series. He should, because, he should. because it is fundamentally American. Totally. Um, punk isn't, but heavy okay. metal is. And I think that would be really interesting in its own way. I would love, but, love to see him do that. He should. Yeah. But, you know, it's already been done. I mean, uh, Penelope Spears did it, you know? Right. Um, and, like, that's the thing. Like, I think that, that those kind of things that people do, not because they're going to get you laid, but because there's something, you know, that speaks to your soul is, like, I, is, is well, a place that I, I get really excited by. I would say, I think we should appreciate, though, because you mentioned that they're not mainstream. And I, I guess that's the thing, too, is that what I was yeah. so excited to talk about Slipknot here was just that, like, it's a cultural blind spot that I wasn't sort of just blew past me. I just refused to look at. That right. I, like, I agree I'll, I'll get a fucking deal with this. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I'm just <laughs> always, always just pushing it aside. And then to realize that if you're a couple years younger than us, this band is your Nine Inch Nails or even your Metallica because they became their first record was up for Grammys. They're platinum selling everywhere that I think they actually are pretty mainstream uh, kind of in the time after. And again, just in spots of the culture that the three of us don't normally look, but also because I do love that same thing, Kenny, that like this idea that so many metalheads, you see Dave Mustaine in the documentary right now. Well, he's sometimes weird, but like a lot of those guys just become the the statesmen of yeah, he's like a, Dave Mustaine is like a sage. Yeah. And it's just so much fun to hear those guys talk. I found in, in my research, I found less of this with Corey Taylor. And I actually have a, an excerpt here that I wanted to read for you guys anyway, just because this to me is exactly just the exact uh, couple sentences. Every kid I knew who was into metal in the late 90s and didn't give a fuck about anything. And you're right. It was just sort of like, fuck pop, fuck Britney Spears, fuck everything else. I just define myself by this brand association right. and all those guys. Here's what Corey Taylor is saying. Just a familiar answer. If you've just, it's exactly those kids in your classroom in 97. Um, so he's doing, this is 2019. He's being interviewed by, I think, Rolling Stone for like your favorite things of the decade, your favorite TV show, your favorite music, whatever. Um, his answer to my least favorite trend in music these days was, quote, pretty much the same thing from the oddies, crappy pop and hip hop. I'm not going to name any names because I'm not going to give them any free fucking press. But these are the same people that get propped up as geniuses and it's the same three hooks and same three types of fucking songs that get written in those genres. And it's getting to the point where I'm just looking around going, do you people realize what the fuck you're listening to? And again, I think about it and I go, maybe that's just the way people listen to music. Most normal people only take three types of songs, whereas a snob like myself, I look for diversity. I look for change. I look for that deeper connection. So it's like, hey, if you want that McDonald's shit, go ahead. But I can't deal with it. And I'm certainly not going to fucking respect it. Next question. The TV show I couldn't stop streaming in the 2010s. Quote, I pretty much loved all the Marvel Netflix series, but Daredevil was just so good. End quote. I, I think there's, there's two things I, wanna, uh, I wanted to, to, to say um, very quickly. The first is... It <laughs> That's speaks incredible. To, to, to nice everything, work. That you're, everything that he's saying there. But also just... We've talked about this a lot, Kenny, obviously. You know, we've, we're dedicating the entire podcast to 1999. But but we've talked a lot about how the musical landscape in 99 was not great, necessarily. There wasn't, you know, a tremendous amount of classic, amazing, you know, Hall of Fame albums. But what I have found fascinating is when we do an episode like this, or we do an episode on Fish, or we do an episode on Rage, 
the spectrum of what was going on in 99 was actually quite fascinating. And there are all these pockets of, of subsections of, of just really interesting music and just something that to what you just said, Rich, that I've just kind of pushed aside and not even really done any sort of, you know, research or digging into. And it is really interesting. I also think that on the mainstream thing, just to your point also, Rich, so this album comes out, the critical reception, just to read a couple little, all music said, uh, it's an auspicious debut. If you thought Limp Bizkit was hard, they're the Osmonds compared to these guys. They're doing something else entirely. It's pretty impressive. Rolling Stone said that it was metal with a capital M. Q Magazine included the album in their 50 heaviest albums of all time. And Classic Rock Magazine described Slipknot's scary genre-busting debut as a clever synthesis of slasher movie aesthetics with some grindingly heavy metal and judged the band as apparently uh, built to endure. Um, And then in 2021, it was named one of the 20 best albums of 1999 by Metal Hammer Magazine. Not a magazine that I've ever read. But point here is... I don't I don't disagree with you, Kenny, that like I don't know that it hit the mainstream so much as that I under that it that it got into my sort of echo chamber at the time. But in retrospect, I'm looking back and I'm like, I guess this band was much, much bigger than I knew. I I don't know. Top 20 in Metal Head magazine. I think like <laughs> look, I, I, I just did a uh, Metal Hammer magazine. I'm getting I you just, Metal Did you I subscribe to little, Metal Hammer? Yeah, 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 I'm a I'm a lifelong subscriber. I just did a little a shallow dive into their Emmy sure. history. Yes, so they actually oh, yeah, yeah. Won, they actually won an Emmy. They've been nominated ten times, they've won an Emmy. Um what did they win for? Best best metal performance. What year? Uh, a Grammy or o- an Emmy? Sorry, a Grammy in 06. Um, they, uh, you know, the bands that they're up against, the, the history of metal at the Grammys is basically like, was Metallica, did Metallica put out an album? They're yeah. going to win. Did Metallica <laughs> not put out an album? It's a bunch of bands you probably haven't heard of. So, you yeah. know, that's cool and all. Uh, yeah, they I lost want- to the, to the Deftones in 2001. Yes. The Deftones, another band that, you know, uh, no, sure. yeah. um, <laughs> Something we don't talk about in 1999 uh, nearly enough, which is something you were just saying in terms of, you know, there's a big space for fish. There's a big space for rage. There's a big space for for DMX. There's a big space for a lot of these long tail things. Um, The Internet used to be good in that. For the longest time, if you were, and, and this, I'm not breaking any new ground, but for the longest time, if you were uh, a, a small town weirdo, you were on an island. And then in the late 90s, if you were a small town weirdo with small town weirdo tastes, you were able to find a community on message boards, on totally. user groups, on GeoCities, on all these other places. And, uh, and all of these bands found these massive followings online. Um, now the internet's bad again. Because, uh, because, yeah. se- because, like seven companies have streamlined the internet into, se- in, in, into seven streams, which are all playing Olivia Rodrigo at all times. So, um, that's, I like Olivia Rodrigo. I'm just putting. I don't that hate it. It's not, a, it's, it's not a knock I know, on I, her. I, no, I know. It's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just, it's just that it's the state you know, of the landscape. It's yeah. that Simpsons joke where. Duff Light, Duff Dry, and Duff Regular all come from the same tube. Like you're, <laughs> you're all getting, you're getting the same shit, and it, this long yeah. tail stuff like kind of gets lost in the sauce 
um, which is unfortunate. But I think that that's kind of a cool that that's kind of what what why ninety nine has this breadth. Totally. If not, if not particularly having a depth in any one genre that like, you know, you look to in the seventies with, with classic rock or you look to mm-hmm. in the eighties. I think there is some, you know, I think there is some, some depth in rap and hip hop that obviously, you know, Corey Taylor doesn't agree with, but uh, it does feel even that was kind of like, you know, uh, uh, a little, a little more, a lot of people trying a lot of new things than a lot well, of people getting really good at their thing. I totally agree. And, and, and just to, uh, to piggyback on what you were saying about when the internet was good, um, you know, last week's episode, I spoke with uh, Emma Stefanski about the X-Files. And the X-Files is a perfect example of a thing that perfectly sort of uh, synonymous with what you're talking about in terms of the internet, right? Which is that show becomes what it becomes because of message boards, because of people, that sense of community, trying to unpack the mythology of that show, the excitement of all of that. But I also just feel like how lovely that must have been, right? Like what I I was not a part of necessarily any of those communities of those shows at the time, but what it must have been like to, to your point, Kenny, connect people all around the world you know, around a, a common love of a piece of pop culture must have been so crazy at the time and so comforting. Whereas now it's the exact fucking opposite where you're like, you almost don't want to go on Twitter and say, I like this thing because you don't want people coming at you. Yeah, Cause everybody's in the same fucking cafeteria now. That's the <laughs> problem. And I think that's what I'm getting at. Like I, yeah. I, I think about, you know, the X-Files is a great example. Um, for me, for whatever reason, the deep dive, the, 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 the thing that I loved that no one else I knew loved that I kind of could hang on the internet and, and really go deep with was Friday the 13th. And for whatever reason, that was like what that was a place that I was like, oh my God, these are people who like actually also love this fucking franchise. Um, that, that none of my friends will watch with me or like I don't even want to talk to about. But uh, I mean, and, I mean, it kind of also goes without saying, and I think this is, you know, the point, a point I wanted to bring up before, like this is often discussed in terms of LGBTQ people uh, who generally, you know, in the 80s and 90s felt invisible at home or felt like they had to hide. The Internet was their was their their refuge. And that, I think, has also kind of been flattened as well. For sure. Um, on the Internet. It's better in the real world, I think. But. Well, it's funny you bring up uh, Friday the 13th because uh, there was a Slipknot song on the soundtrack for Freddy vs. Jason, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Wait, can we talk about quickly? Just because I actually love this conversation. I want to talk about 99, but the other places they appear, they star in the remake of Rollerball. They're obviously on the Resident <laughs> Evil soundtrack, which, by the way, this band wakes up and gets an email that every day they're on a Resident Evil soundtrack, I'm sure. I know. Um, and NASCAR's Crank It Up compilation. So, yeah. Oh, um, wow, but- really? Oh yeah, the, you, you have it, the, the underwall. But no, I, I never thought about 99 in this regard. And I think that's what's so cool actually to hear you guys talk about why this is such an attractive time because the internet is able to bridge a lot of that, but also it's kind of the last steps of the old way of doing things where like, you're right, Fish or uh, Slipknot or wherever, anywhere, there was still this idea of local markets and something could kind of grow. And suddenly there was a, the, the allowance for just other kinds of movements or groups or something for people to like everywhere. Then in 99, we can still, they're all revealed because we have all these new ways to communicate with each other. 
Um, but then this is, you know, superseded in the 21st century. Suddenly we don't need those local markets and it's just all on the internet and it's a different beast entirely. Well, and, you know, the elephant in the room that we're not really talking about, of course, is that Napster's right around the corner too, right? So it's, we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, an amount of money that the music industry was making that it would never, ever make again, right? Like this is when you think about the amount of money that was made off your Britney Spears and your, and your Backstreet Boys or whatever, everything really. I mean, just, just, just an amount of money that I could never even imagine. And that all sort of the floor just comes out from underneath it. And the entire industry has to sort of rejigger the way that it thinks about everything. Um, you know, and, and now you're seeing obviously, you know, touring, was lucrative back then, but now it's like it's the life raft, right? Like industry. if you're if yeah. you're not touring, you're not making any money. Um, but it, it is it. But but what's also interesting, the flip side to all of this, of course, is you know there's a generation that doesn't know what it's like to not have every song they could ever want at their fingertips on their phone um, for ten bucks a month, <laughs> um, whereas. And that's kind of a great thing too, right? The, the accessibility of music, the ability to make it literally in your home, that's all really exciting too, right? Like all, it, it's not all bad. It's just not as lucrative as it was is ultimately what it comes down to. But I, I, I think that the, this all just, I mean, listen, we, we're not the first, it's, we're not the last to talk about the internet being a double-edged it's, sword. It's not, look, I, I, I want to preface this by saying it's not bad. It's obviously good. More freedom is better than less freedom. More choice sure. is better than less choice. Sure. Let people have what let people have what they want. Make their own decisions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, <laughs> feels like there's a wind up here. And there's going to be a fucking well, I, I roundhouse mean, just, coming. I, 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 my, my, it's funny because like all of my old foginess comes from the lack of curation, right? And uh, that also, you know, uh, yeah, that that. That starts to tiptoe into gatekeeping, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I try to avoid that just in general. But uh, the lack of curation, the lack of slow burns, the lack of people, you know, really uh, kind of getting up inside songs, getting up inside albums—it's just kind of a sad thing that's of yesterday. But you know, I don't. I mean, I know my the only song. Like, it's funny. My son knows. Uh, only knows songs that are used on TikTok as memes, and he knows every words to every word to them. And he goes, "This is a meme song. This is a meme song. This is a meme song." So he does like hear things over and over and Ugh. over again, but they only only when they you know kind of show up in this twenty twenty one version of a thirty second music video. Fascinating. That's fascinating. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you, um, Kenny, that that there is a lack of curation going on. Um, just in general, sure. that's just yeah, the way just, it yeah. is. Yeah. No, which, like, I, which I get. I remember the days, you guys remember the days where we dreamt about an on-demand yeah. culture, where there's this idea of one day every movie ever made is going to be available to you. Come on, no way. Yes, we're here. We're here. Yeah. And like, I, you know, that's great and all. And then wonderful blah 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 but like i do think that there's a reason i love pluto tv so much i love i love or criterion saying, yeah. yeah well or criterion um i i love someone saying this is some essential shit you should be watching i think that's important i think canonization is important but i don't disagree and i and i i think that and i don't think that that's going anywhere necessarily and i i guess all of this is just to say that 
you know, looking at it through the prism of Slipknot and through the genre of music that they exist in, I just think it's, I do think it's really fascinating how dedicated people were to this type of music, how meaningful it was to them at the time. Um, and, you know, listening, I listened to the entire album yesterday. There were many times where I was like, I don't know if I can get through this entire album. Um, you know, 1030 in the morning, I pressed play on that first song. It was like, fuck me. What? Like, it's just, it's, it's a lot. It's as, as Kenny said, it's, it was an oral enema to be sure. I, I listened, um, I listened yesterday and this morning. I liked it so much. Uh, <laughs> and it's your first time hearing it. It was your first time through more or less uh, yeah. preparing for this. The yeah. first, the, the first time I have ever consciously listened to a Slipknot song. Sure. Yeah. There were several moments where, as I was listening to it, I went and looked at what the song was. So I was like, this is a good song. Like, there's a hook here. There's a melody here. This production is really fascinating. Um, You know, lyrically, there was one lyric that jumped out at me. I don't quite know what it means, but it sounds interesting. You can't see California without Marlon Brando's eyes. Yeah, I know the origin of that line weirdly. Oh, please. Yeah, which I agree. It is their best line, and it is so good. It's because an unhoused man in New York City randomly said it to them before they recorded the album, and they were like, that's a cool line. <laughs> Whoa. That, yeah, I mean, what what, what song was that? It. Because I listened to that. I, I listened to that song like five times. Because that, <laughs> that, yes, that that uh, that definitely kind of is a is, is an earworm. Like it popped, right? Like it it it, yes. it it had a hook. It had an image that I couldn't sort of unsee. No pun intended. Like it just it was, and I I, I obviously because I couldn't understand what they were saying, had to look up what the lyric was, um, and then reading it, I was like, that sounds interesting. I don't quite really know what they're getting at, but I, I think it's interesting. They're, they have a lot of stuff. Um, so this album comes out after they record a demo for an EP, I think, called Mate Feed Kill Repeat. Which, yep, I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't live by that repeat. mantra? Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, so they relocate from Des Moines. They come to Malibu where they record this album. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess the intro is named after the barcode from the EP. Again, like all this stuff sounds interesting. I just don't know what the fuck it's all like meaning. Yeah. So the barcode is also the thing that then becomes the barcode that is on all their uniforms to try and. Okay. Deproductify themselves by making themselves <laughs> the ultimate product. And so the, that barcode <laughs> is everywhere on them. And also at this point, too, around the time they're in Malibu is when they remove their names and all go by yes. zero, one, two, three, four, right. five. And they all have their own sort of hooky masks. There's clown guy and gas mask. It's like guy. Squid Game before Squid Game. Hey, don't, don't split. Don't, 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 don't. Have them no, no, that's. <laughs> I'm just, they wear uniforms. That's all I was getting at. Okay. Um, but I will, to that point. So, uh, weirdly, there is this thing in metal at that time, especially the sort of metal where these guys come from, that uh, none of those bands were going to blow up in the way that this one does. But there is weirdly this undercurrent of a couple things. One is, as is obvious, the shock. The shock yes, of it. Yes, yes, I yes. so many metal heads who also love bands that, you know, uh, guys like us loved, but also just love metal and pass around tapes and go mm-hmm. to these weird little club shows. And it, these came up a lot in the stuff I was reading about Slipknot, but if you guys want to hear some of the names yep, of the bands, absolutely. all versions of Anal Blast, 
<laughs> inve catharsis and i want to circle inve catharsis inve i-n-v-e-i-g-h a yeah. lot of metal bands back then just used words like invective or inve whatever they could find that sounded cool Motifidious was one of the bands the slipknot guys were in morbid angel cannibal corpse hate breed and then another band i remember right. from this time and there was a thing too some of them were tongue-in-cheek which i submit slipknot isn't necessarily there was a band called, and I don't even know if you're going to keep this on your show. There was a band called yep. Anal Cunt. And Anal Cunt. Anal Cunt. C U N T. Sure, sure, sure. And okay. so this no. was just one of those things that. We'll now, keep it. <laughs> we'll double it. I <laughs> thought it was so funny, but also, and this was around the Napster time, because I remember friends coming over showing me Anal Cunt playing songs for me. I'm like, I hate this, I hate this. But objectively, some of the song titles were kind of funny. There was one song they had that was just growling, but the only line that repeated was, it's August, take down your Christmas lights. (laughs) (laughs) So there is a weird humor and nerdiness to the fact that these kids would go to these shows and also sweat and they were pudgy kids in black hoodies beating the shit out of each other. But there was a sort of oh. Pythonish joy to some of it. And just sort of like, you know, how we'd all quote oh. things to each other and nobody we had a language nobody else had at that time. These guys had a bit of that too, but I feel like oh, Slipknot loses a lot of the giggles, weirdly. Well, that's, I mean, it's August, take down your Christmas lights is fucking brilliant. Come on, uh, yeah. But again, like that's... It's August. Take down your Christmas lights. I just wish... <laughs> I, that's the thing where I, I feel guess so if attacked. You, if you do that, if you have a lyric like that, there's, the, I guess, the fear of are we losing our legitimacy if we're not being like aggressive the whole fucking time? I'm not, I'm just suggesting sure, yeah. that that might be the case. But one of the things that I learned that I love about Slipknot is this Burger King lawsuit. Did you read about this? No. Uh, Rich? <laughs> So in 2005, Slipknot sued Burger King, saying that they had this um, fake band within their advertising called Cock Rock, um, which was this, okay? So Burger King countersues and says that they actually, that their band was actually making fun of a bunch of other bands, Mr. Bungle, Mushroomhead, Mudvayne, Kiss, Insane Those are all the war. same fucking bands. Yeah, right. Of course, of course. <laughs> no, I mean, point, is, <laughs> point, point Burger King was making is like we were making fun of an oeuvre, not yeah. you specifically. Um, so after negotiations, the lawsuit was uh, was withdrawn. I just love that that Slipknot and Burger King got into a fricus. That to me just is great. Well, speaking of, I mean, it is important to just to I I feel like just to appreciate the hierarchy of who is scoring points off who. Mm-hmm. Burger King dunks on Slipknot. <laughs> Billy Joe Armstrong in Green Day. Show me through a mask on stage. He dunked on Slipknot. Slipknot was catching such a beating that even yeah. DJ Lethal from Limp Biscuit, the least cool member of the least cool band, calls them a boy band of WWF characters. And it's wow. like at that time, that's dunking on wrestling too, which is fucked up. No, 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 no. That's no that that's that that's that's not that. That is that is saying you you hope to be. WWE oh, okay, America. fair enough, fair enough. I, I just I I agree with what you're saying, Rich, and it all speaks to they fe- Slipknot in slang insane clown classic. They all felt like a punchline that people yeah. were, which is part of why I think the three of us and certainly people probably we knew were like, well, they're not real. Like this is, all, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Dorks, but they, yeah. but they got the last laugh. I feel like, you know, 100%. the other guy that, the, the guy that, 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 that 
is doing this right now in culture, which is the best, is Guy Fieri, who is like, who has been mocked for the last 20 years. And like all of a sudden, since that comedian did that, that bit, you know what I'm talking about? There was that key comedian who did that bit about why are we dunking on Guy Fieri? Yeah, for living his dreams or something. That kid on Conan. Yeah. So many, like, it was a wonderful piece. But, like, since then, like, something has changed. And, like, now, like, Guy Fieri's getting People less love him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because, like, now, I mean, look, I don't really have feelings about him either way. Yeah. But I, I, I have noticed the shift from, like, this guy's a joke to, like, this guy's kind of a cult hero. And, and I think that if you persevere through that, like, through that that mass kind of mockery and stay yourself people kind of do realize that this is not an act this is who you are and i kind of just have to respect it and consider who else learned that lesson in the past 20 years though never apologize always say and do the craziest shit um just be angry because it's fun to be angry and fire people up at a show because it's a great show um and even hang out in the wwe there's videos of trump fighting mcmahon no question so it is no question. Don, is Donald Trump. Yeah. Donald Trump is the is the poster boy for this because I maintain and have always maintained he is 100 percent sincere. There is nothing calculated here. There is there is no three dimensional chest. He is all fucking id. It is all coming off the dome. He is who he is. And uh, and he has persevered and got the last fucking laugh in a major. I, I think that I, I fully I fully agree with both of you. And I, I think that he is by, by he, I mean Trump, is entirely motivated by um, a desire for attention totally. and what, what will get people excited, full stop, right? Like, I just need you to give me your attention and what will rile you up. Um, and he found the ultimate thing to rile people up, obviously, which is uh, chaos and uh, government, apparently. But I, I think that it's it's just looking at Slipknot through the prism of... 1999 music in general and their success. I mean, you, you sort of, you mentioned this a little bit, Rich, but you know, uh, this, this album did incredibly well. It was ranked, uh, I guess the fastest selling metal album, uh, in 2000, it was platinum. Um, it was named the 36th greatest metal song of all time on VH1, uh, of course. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, they hit a vein in a way that their counterparts didn't really, um, and they've certainly had a longevity that their counterparts didn't. And I think all of that stems from a uh, a, a genuine quality that it, it actually meant something to them, even if they you know, were wearing masks. Well, I think, too, it's also just like cynical or not. The masks were a fucking great idea. A lot of bands, even in the, the town they were in, they called uh, Slipknot a super group because there was a ton of, I know this sounds crazy, Des Moines, Iowa yeah. metal bands doing this and it would slowly just sort of absorb members and then fire them and take other ones from their competition. Like a and symbiote. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly that. It was <laughs> much the Eddie Brock of it all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it is fascinating to see just like what it is that sets this band apart and kind of ignites them like that and i I think it is you know there's a the musicality apparently i'm I'm gonna take a lot of people's word for it they are doing that sort of thing also i mean the nine piece of it all it is so absurd and of its time that there's one guy dedicated to samples and one guy dedicated to dj interesting and also too that like and then three drummers by the way do you know who's in the band these days 
One of the drummers right now, they were going to keep it secret. They replaced the bassist and the drummer a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. Um, both have passed away in recent years. And so they weren't telling anybody who the new guys were. And then it leaked out. It's fucking Jay Weinberg. Max Weinberg's kid drums for Slipknot. That's real. Well, that, you know, I, re- I read that. I didn't know he was Max Weinberg's kid. Oh, 100%. I, I just thought it was funny that the guy behind the mask in the drum set is uh, is named Jay, named Jay Weinberg. <laughs> Even funnier uh, than yeah, that. Yeah, we, 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 we should say that Joey Jordison died only a couple months ago. Recently. Um, yeah. One of the original members of Slipknot. But. Yeah, he. I was, I was reading about that. Uh, I guess he had a, a form of multiple sclerosis. Um but he died in his sleep, and they're unsure whether or not it was connected to uh, to any of his maladies. But uh, yeah, forty three, very young, unfortunately. Crazy. I, I think he was already retired from the band at that time. Correct. They also lost yeah. a bassist in twenty ten. That was a big rupture for them. That was a founding member too. Um, it's it's really yeah. It's it. They're a fascinating band. They're they're part of a fascinating sort of I don't know what you would call genre of music. They're kind of genreless is the thing too. They, I shit you not, they have been, des- they've described themselves as heavy metal, alternative metal, groove metal, death metal, hard rock, grind core, thrash metal, and rap metal. I mean, they don't, they don't really prescribe to any particular They were groove metal for me, man. I was grooving <laughs> to the metal. <laughs> Kenny, did you get to metal too because you're such a proficient guitar player? Was that also a piece of it? For you? <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's play- seriously. I can't play guitar. Wait, I uh, thought you were in the band. I thought you played stuff. I was. You're a singer. I was, I was a singer. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. What do you no, think? I, uh, what do you think of the vocals in What do I think of the vocals? I think <laughs> I think they're incredible. I I, I think, I mean, I, you know, the thing is, I, I'm listening to them and I'm thinking, man, I wish I was the singer in a heavy metal band. And then I watched them and I forgot how much you have to fucking move if you're oh, the singer crazy. in a heavy metal band, particularly your head. And I don't want to do that. But I love, I love scream singing. I love putting the gut, the, the grit in my voice. Um, and I think, yeah, I thought that was great. But no, I, I, I can't play guitar. It's a well, it's, it's, can you I can't bring play up a bar the, chord. You bring up their live show, which I think is something that's, that's worth just highlighting very quickly um, as, we sort of, as we wrap this up. But I, I do think that watching them perform was fucking exhausting. The idea of doing that every Too night. Much. What a fucking workout, though. Those guys must be fucking sweating under all of this shit that they're doing, that they're wearing, they're running around, they're they're thrashing their head. I'm just like, how does anyone... Oh, my God. It just so, it looked absolutely insane. One of the founding members had permanently broken ribs. Two ribs that would just never heal from running around and crashing. And they would also make big, more metal drum kits to do this very thing, to cut themselves on and jump against. The lead singer had a a cutting phase on stage early on. Um, The DJ used to brag about when he got into the uh, band that he would have to often fist fight the clown drummer guy on stage. Like full on brawl in a fun way. They're like, we love each other. I need the clown to keep me in line. Um, On one of their bigger tours. Who hasn't said that? Come on. There was, this is the one that I find to be the most egregious because a lot of it is just running around, cutting yourself, needing stitches. One guy, two weeks in a row on a tour, he needed five stitches and 17 on his head. Um, But they would carry around this jar of like murky, muddy water with like a lump in it. And it would come out at the shows. Then eventually it was apparently some sort of dead crow thing. The lead singer, this is real. 
he would open up the jar at the show, take a big whiff, which would then induce vomiting in him, which he would try to aim at the crowd. And then the crowd sort of stand by me style. Some of them would vomit back involuntarily and then it would kind of lead to more and more vomit. And also he would That's catch whatever liquid he could in the jar. I don't like bring that. that to the next show. Can I just say, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That yeah, that is my that, personal nightmare. That's, that's, too, that, that's enough to not be a slipknot. Yeah, and like that's the thing. It's like some bands are into this, and like we're in on the joke, or like, it's just yeah. weird to go to a show where the band's out to get me. Like if I'm getting the mosh pit, I want to look at a band, right. and the band's like, "Do you need help?" Not like eat my piss and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Their first Stern interview, too. It's just because I want to just like, these guys were going for the shock of it all, but in a way, yeah. like, does it feel resonant? Like, to go on Howard Stern, and it's so fun to try and outdo Howard Stern, but these guys do it, do it too well immediately. They show up, somebody grabs a fire bucket, shits in it, hands it to Howard when the interview starts. And then one of the other guys, they realize during the entire interview, won't stop jerking off during the interview. <laughs> that's that's seven funny. Seven in that's the funny. morning. That's different. But poop I'm, not, poop I'm not for. Uh, <laughs> I love that Kenny's drawn the line. This is why I will not be a Slipknot fan. Everything else you seem to be. I hate bodily fluids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I also you can rub one out on the 70th floor of a high rise. That's hilarious. Cause that like, I mean, as long as he doesn't get to, as long as he doesn't whip it out and he doesn't go to, you yeah. know, he doesn't finish that, yeah. um, that just makes people uncomfortable. Which is kind of my mo in general. I don't want to make people right, uncomfortable, right. but I, I like keeping people on their toes. Uh, but I would never take a shit in a bucket and hand it to a human. To Howard Stern, no less. Kind of need that. Can I say that's the poll quote for this episode, Kenny? I would take uh, a shit in a bucket and hand it to a human. No, ne- never. You'll never see me do that. Uh, <laughs> that is. Right. I, I mean. I, I will say, though, uh, and this feels like an appropriate way for us to end this, that it does feel like that's probably a bridge too far for many people. And yet it wasn't right. Well, like th- this, this I is, don't know. That's really bad, including the, the jerking off. It's all horrible. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's all it, terrible. It's that it's sort of disgusting. thing where it's like, I know, you know, it's that sort of like. That who's the most edgy comic and you go see right. that edgy comic and it's pretty boring after 10 seconds because it's like in every situation I'm going to say right. the naughty words I'm going to do the naughty thing right. and it's weird that like I, yeah I guess in this conversation I think less that like this is a savvy way for them to gain popularity maybe it is but I guess more disappointing to me is that there's no philosophy to it there's no sort of anarchy and what it means it's just like I'm going to do the craziest thing just so you say you so crazy, boys. Can I also just say, though, that like when those things, when you're dulled to those things, yeah, where are we? Right? <laughs> like, where are we as a society when that sort of behavior is no longer audacious? Yeah. You're just like, okay. I mean, okay. That, 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 you do you, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> I agree. I actually, one thing I think about, and this might make me pretty swear in this day and age, but thinking about this very thing, like, is there a moment where we did cross the line and like, you know, was married with children bad or whatever sort of silly, like Dan Quayle conversation. But one that I can't reconcile is that it's like, we say we're pretty prudish and you can't say much these days, but like, I feel like when the walking dead got on air, that's a big deal. When suddenly like you on a Sunday night, you turn on TV with commercials and like, yeah, kids are yeah. ripping their parents' heads off or whatever. It's like, yeah, I wonder where we do go from there. Have we have we crossed a, a, a yeah a place that we can no longer go back? I I don't know, and I and I do think that it feels like Slipknot. 
it, it, here's the thing. I think Kenny feels similarly. Everything that we talked about Slipknot before we got to bodily functions and bodily fluids, I was kind of like, sure. <laughs> I really was. And, I, I and that's I, the line I, for I, me, right? I, 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 didn't real, I, I, I didn't realize <laughs> that they were um, sadistic. And right. that is not fun. I like it's just that simple. Like that yeah. is just not that that this it it really turned into a spooky Halloween trick, where uh, where now I feel like I can't listen to gross ass Slipknot anymore. We've, we've come full circle, <laughs> and they've officially become uh, upsetting to us. But listen, yeah, this was great, Rich. Oh, uh, blast! This was a fucking yeah. Blast. This was great. We cannot wait to have you back for another deep dive into some other corner of 1999 music that, uh, that we have not explored. I will yeah. read the book. Don't you fucking it's worry. It's going to be fucking great. Um, but next week, as a, as a quick thing, we are doing The Ninth Gate, the Johnny Depp, Roman Polanski, most problematic, perhaps, most problematic talk movie of 1999. Talk about gross ass. Yeah. Let's talk about gross ass shit um, with, uh, with uh, Jordan Cruciola. Um a fan favorite. She's the best. It's a great episode. Uh, no need to watch Ninth Gate, guys. No need to give Roman Polanski your money. No need um, to listen to Slipknot, guys. No need to no need listen to, to Slipknot unless no, you're into no that kind of give, stuff. Yeah. The poop people. Their, happy your happy money. Halloween, everybody. It's <laughs> happy Halloween. Season. Thank you so we're much, doing, Rich. We'll we're doing Nightmare on Elm Street 5 in two weeks. You have that to look forward to. Watch yeah. that movie. There you go. One last thing, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, speaking of subscribing, check out our Patreon on all the best films of 1989. Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Fabulous Baker Boys, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Field of Dreams, Major League, and many, many more. We are covering all the best films of 1989 with amazing guests like Joanna Robinson, Liz Hanna, Hunter Covington, Brian Cogman, David Iserson, and many, many more. All your favorite guests from our 1999 podcast are coming on to the 1989 Patreon. You can sign up for it at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. For only $5, you get access to all of these awesome episodes. And for a few bucks more, you get video of our 1999 episodes as well. Plus, there are other very cool tiers too, where you can even be a guest on our podcast. Please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com backslash podcast like it's. We're also on Twitter at podcast like it's 1999. We're also on Instagram at podcast like it's 1999. Uh, thank you so much to Ernie and Will for producing our episodes, Sullivan for our social media, Yon Katas for our amazing art and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.